0: Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Dr. Alicia Britt Lee. Dr. Sholi is the host of The Sacred Slow, a teaching show that invites the audience to slow down and rediscover a consistent and more intimate relationship with God. Alicia is a skilled mentor, an award winning writer, and an international speaker. Let's dive into the message.
1: Do you remember your very first job? Maybe it was working in a restaurant, mowing lawns, babysitting, or delivering the paper when it used to be paper. Mine was occasionally helping my mom do inventory at an automotive store in Texas, which is more than a little amusing because counting isn't exactly in my primary gifting cluster. And most of my life, when people have asked me what kind of car I drive, I've told them the color. My car is blue. Thankfully, our first jobs are not always indicators of our future professions, but they do teach us a lot. One of the things I learned through my first few jobs was that the most important task to my boss was the one they always mentioned first. At the very top of every list was the one thing I needed to always do or to do before I did anything else. The same is true in the job description of a Jesus follower. In Mark 3, 13 through 15, we read that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, and here comes the job description, that they might, number one, be with him, and that he might send them out to, number two, preach, and number three, have authority to drive out demons. The first and always job description of a Christ follower is being with Jesus. Almost 2,000 years later, God's longing is unchanged. What does he want first and always from his disciples? He wants us to be with him. Nearness with God is possible. It's his longing, and it's ours. Nearness with God is attainable, It's just not accidental. One of the antonyms of accidental is intentional. And that's our theme in this episode of The Sacred Slow, spiritual intentionality. One of the first gifts God gave to me after he interrupted my atheistic existence was mentors. My first mentor's name was Sister Cash. She and her husband used to have prayer meeting for the youth on Thursday nights. We'd sing, and they'd teach, and we'd pray for the nations. And as everyone else was leaving, I'd linger. And I'd say, Sister Cash, I have a question. So they'd take me back into the kitchen, find a few more cookies, pour me another glass of milk, and I'd pour out my heart. With each and every question, they would take me to the Word. I'm pretty sure they prayed me through university on their knees. My second mentor's name was Donna. She was a brilliant Bible teacher. For four years, Donna met with me almost weekly to invest her love for God's Word in me. She taught me how to study, word studies, character studies, book studies, thematic studies, and exhaustive studies. My first mentor's intentionality gave my new faith roots and wings. So it's no surprise that over 30 years later, my husband and I are both, at our core, people growers. Over the decades, some have called us mentors, spiritual directors, or healthy soul coaches. Whatever the label, our focus is guiding learners and leaders into intentional and sustainable intimacy with God. And after all these years, I'm more convinced than ever that God wants to mentor you personally. If a child were to come to you and say, I'm thirsty, what would you do? I can guess what you wouldn't do. You wouldn't say, well, kid, it rains around here. So just keep your chin up, keep your eyes on the sky, do your best to position yourself under promising clouds, and hopefully you'll catch enough to survive. That would be a ridiculous response. It would be unkind and even negligent. When our kids were little, they'd look up at my husband with their enormous eyes and say, Daddy, I'm thirsty. And in response, Barry would pour a pure thirst quenching substance into a clean transferable form and hand deliver it to them with love in his eyes. That's the response of a good dad. That's the response of a kind soul. But sometimes we're not sure that's the response of God toward us. When we, from our very depths, cry, God, I'm thirsty, often our self-counsel, our self-talk is, well, chin up. It rains around here from time to time. I just need to keep my eyes on the heavens and keep going. Try to position myself under promising clouds and hope for the best. And so on we go deadline to deadline, meeting to meeting, project to project, event to event, faithful and serving in the hope that we'll get what we need on the run, in the hope that we'll somehow grow on the go. God wants to mentor you intentionally as opposed to randomly through occasional raindrops that fall in favorable seasons that you can somehow skillfully catch on the run while you're serving. Jeremiah 29 is surely among the most beloved of verses. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. We find the quote comforting, and we should. But God in this sentence says something quite startling. God said that he has a plan, a makshava in Hebrew, a thought, an intent, an invention for you. And that plan is to prosper you. Prosper is translated from the Hebrew shalom, which is defined as peace and completeness. Whatever your circumstance, whatever it is you're facing right now, God has a personalized plan for your peace. God intends your custom completion. There's nothing chaotic about God's care for you. He is intentional toward you. And the hope of this entire Sacred Slow series is to grow the muscles of our intentionality toward God. One of the ways we grow our intentionality toward God is by developing the discipline of listening. Cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, God calls His people to listen, and it's entirely okay if you just had a reaction to that sentence. Maybe you felt anticipation and thought, oh, I love listening for God's voice. Or perhaps you felt irritation and thought, God, help me, but it drives me nuts when people say God said this and God said that. How do they know what God said? How do they know they didn't just make it up in their minds? Or maybe you felt a bit of shame and thought everybody else seems to be able to hear God, but me, what's wrong with me? For the next few moments, I'd like you to consider the possibility with me that especially when it comes to spiritual growth, hearing and listening aren't necessarily the same thing. The first definition of to hear is to have the capacity of perceiving sound. The first definition of to listen is to pay attention to sound. Physically, we can hear without really listening. And the same is true spiritually. Hearing doesn't mean that we're listening. What then does it mean to truly listen? Here on one level, I'm hearing many different sounds, the rustling of leaves, some walnuts dropping from the trees, a cow in the distance, and our chickens on the hill. On another level, though, I'm listening for something that a microphone can't capture, the influence of God how encouraging it is for common souls like mine that listening for the voice of God is not an elitist skill reserved for those with perfect pitch or acclaimed lives or even the ability to physically hear. Ever since God breathed into us the breath of life in Genesis 2:7, our divinely touched dust has been honored with a standing invitation to listen for our Creator. Personally, I have never heard God's voice with my dust-formed ears, but I still listen. I'm not listening to hear. I'm listening to love. The writings of Jeremiah reveal the stunning power of listening. In Jeremiah 25, 3 through 4, Jeremiah said, for 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, until this very day, The word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And though the Lord has sent all his servants, the prophets, to you again and again, you have not listened or paid attention. And then a few verses later in Jeremiah 25, 7 through 9, God said, but you did not listen to me, declares the Lord and you have aroused my anger with what your hands have made. You have brought harm to yourself. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says this, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, and my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land. This is the flow of events revealed in Jeremiah 25. Not listening led to idolatry, and idolatry led to exile. Evidently, listening strengthens a soul to not bow down to idols. Listening safeguards a heart against spiritual adultery. But the choice to not listen is really a choice to postpone obedience. Not listening is perhaps the first symptom of lovelessness. Listening, on the other hand, is a posture of attentiveness. When we listen, we acknowledge and honor the presence of someone besides ourselves. Listening is a form of connecting. It nurtures a teachable spirit. Not listening is not. Not listening is a posture of arrogance. It ignores the contribution of others. Not listening is a form of separation. It breeds a rebellious spirit. In Jeremiah 25, 7, God said that not listening was how his people brought harm to themselves. A lot has changed since that time, but two things have not. We still struggle to listen. And not listening is still dangerous for our souls and our communities. Maybe we give up on listening too quickly because we think that if we don't hear anything, it's not working, or we just don't know how to make it work. But in spiritual growth, the goal of listening isn't hearing. It's paying attention. My husband and I steward a prayer retreat home on a few lakeside acres. Every month, we give each other a day to go there and pray. My favorite prayer bench overlooks a series of beautiful rock shelves. And during spring rains, they form little cascades of waterfalls. I've noticed over the years that when I'm there, even though I'm surrounded by beauty, it often still takes me a few hours to really see and appreciate what's all around me. Why? Because the thoughts in my head are sometimes so loud It hinders my ability to pay attention, to listen, to truly see, to truly be. Listening means that we quiet the noise in our thoughts and purpose to pay attention. And the glorious mystery is that listening for God holds power whether or not anything is heard. The sacred slow is an ongoing invitation to truly listen. And truly listening is a challenge faced by every generation of God followers. Even surrounded by paradise on earth, humankind chose not to listen. In Genesis 2, 16 through 17, God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. No parables. No hidden meanings, not even a riddle. God's voice was as clear as a bell. Then Satan spoke the infamous, did God really say? And with one well-placed interrogative, the deceiver called into question Eve's ability to listen. His tactics today remain the same, but they're especially effective when we, like Eve, stand close enough to forbidden fruit, for Satan to use it as a speaking prop. Adam and Eve had heard God's audible voice. They heard, but they didn't listen. So what does it mean to listen to God? Listening is a posture of spiritual attentiveness. It's a spiritual discipline that says, God, I believe you are near, and I will honor you with my attentiveness, whether or not I ever hear you speak today, may we offer to God what He has already given to us abundantly, intentionality, as we gladly fulfill the first job description of a Jesus follower, being with Him.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages from encouraging speakers that air on Miracle Channel and Corco. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.